Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. And here we are again, celebrating National Epilepsy Month. And hey, if I sound a little bit like Peppermint Patty from Peanuts, that's because I'm recovering from a cold, but trust me, it was much worse yesterday. As Bob, in a few minutes, can tell you since we had a conversation yesterday. But before we get going, hey, I want to thank our listeners in Ireland and uh, in England, actually, now a couple in, in South Korea, 17 different countries, but especially those countries. I really appreciate your listening, and I appreciate you fighting the fight for people with disabilities in your country. Thank you, and spread the news. And a special shout-out to my friend, Yoshiko Dart. Now, everyone is asking me, Joyce, why do you do that on every show? Here's why. Her husband, who passed away, Justin Dart, was the leader, leader in the disability world. He was the general prior to the ADA, and he and Yoshiko went around the country three times volunteering on their own prior to the ADA being signed to talk to the disability community and get them engaged and understand how important the signing of the ADA, which you all know my friend Tony Quello was the author of, and Yoshiko has continued fighting the fight, and I told her years ago, Yoshiko, we are never going to forget Justin. So there you are. That's why I have that shout-out on every show. And you know this month is, of course, very personal to me, since you all know I myself am living with epilepsy and certainly not ashamed to, as you can see, tell the world that I'm living with epilepsy. So so this is all about awareness. This is so important. And you know what? I am at so happy and honored that the chair of the national board, Bob Smith, would take time to join us today uh, and be on the show because as you will hear, he has true passion for helping people living with epilepsy. Bob, welcome to the show. Joy, thanks for having thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, it's wonderful to have you, Bob, but there are people, hey, especially those people in Ireland, that may not know who is Bob Smith. So maybe you could start by telling uh, our listeners a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, so I guess in, in asking about a background, I, professionally what I have done most of my life is I, I was a fund manager at a company called Cure Price in Baltimore. So I, I managed the stock portfolio, uh, and I was very fortunate um, to, to be in that position and work for a company like that uh, during that time, and it allowed me a chance to later on do what I'm doing now, which is chairing the board of the, uh, of the Epilepsy Foundation. Um, my personal background is what got me to epilepsy, uh, is that I have a wife and three children, and my youngest child, Andy, uh, at age seven, uh, was diagnosed with epilepsy, uh, with focal epilepsy. Um, back then, it was called petite mal seizures is what he had. 
at first, uh, and that was my first introduction, the first time that I heard about epilepsy was when the doctor said, your son either has a brain tumor or has epilepsy, and uh, I started rooting for epilepsy, but I didn't really know what it was, and I think that's probably a similar journey to a lot of people uh, who are involved with the Epilepsy Foundation, both nationally and at the affiliate level. And you know, that point you just made, Bob, not knowing what it is, that is so critically important to all of you listeners, parents, or you yourself, if you have epilepsy, is that often people go to the primary care physician. And of all people, I would be the person telling you, don't do that. Actually, not just a neurologist, but an epileptologist, if possible. You know, a neurologist that has a special specialization in epilepsy. But if you cannot do that, at least go to a neurologist. As many of you recall, I went to a family doctor to find out why I was having these faints that I would have. And it was my misdiagnosed and later on, you know, resulted in me having an almost fatal accident. And that is when I found out afterwards that, you know, I was living with epilepsy. Had I gone before to a specialist, I'm sure I would have known all this ahead of time. But I guess you would say God always has a plan because look what happened. I always tell people one seizure, one seizure changed the rest of my life. And by the way, there are so many types of seizures, as Bob was talking about with Andy, you know, like me. I do not have a convulsion, but I have epilepsy and I would fall, but not have a convulsion. And now that has moved into complex partial seizures. But my point is, you'll be surprised. More people have complex partial seizures uh, or opsat seizures, other seizures. More people have that than tonic-clonic seizures, which you think of uh, as a grand mal seizure uh, with a convulsion. You know, and yet when I talk to people, what is epilepsy? Oh, it's people that have a convulsion. And then I have to explain, well, no, not everyone has a convulsion. Um, but, you know, it's good to have an education. Uh, and I know Andy's life was really dramatically changed with the care that he came to have. Uh, Bob, would you talk about that? And if you don't mind explaining it in a little detail so that if there are parents or people listening to the show, you know, I want them to understand what happened. Sure. And I would say my, my son Andy's journey has really been that in the sense that I've had, Joyce was talking about the spectrum of seizures, and uh, Andy through his life kind of really had the entire spectrum. So when he was seven and first diagnosed, that his mom had noticed that his, his eyes were rolling back in his head. She took him in uh, to the doctor who took us. We were fortunate that we were by Johns Hopkins so we could get to an epilepsy specialist who said, he, you know, he has epilepsy. They put him on medicine. Uh, and we were fortunate, you know, between seven and 17 or seven and 18, those were really the only, his, his only seizures he had were very small uh, focal seizures, eye seizures um, that uh, we thought were really controlled, and we found out later 
they were sort of controlled because they were so small that they didn't really impact his life uh, at that age. It was more the medicine, probably, that he was on. Uh, the trileptal that he was on kind of brought, uh, there were times where it caused him to have some brain fog. But mainly his experience up until he was heading off to college was very small seizures. Uh, you know, he talked about his seizures with his friends. You know, my wife talked about it with other parents. Uh, so we were fortunate that it was what I'd call very manageable. And as he said, no, nah, he wasn't. He didn't feel disabled at that point. He did feel a little different, but not disabled. Uh, and he had to make sure he took his medicine twice a day. When he went off to college and lived a little bit more of a college lifestyle, uh, where, you know, you forget medicine, not get sleep, uh, put bacon in, in other college activities, um, his seizures would get a little bit longer and, and they would, his breakthroughs would be, and they called them, the breakthrough would mean that his medicine controlled it, but maybe once a day he had a small seizure. Uh, but then on occasion they would be, uh, as Joyce said, complex. They would be more like six, seven seconds. His head would move from the left side to the right side. Um, you know, he wasn't driving toward the, toward the end of college that way. He was down at school, but his seizure activity was getting worse. He tried a few different medicines. Um, those medicines uh, caused different side effects. Some of them were efficacious, but he couldn't deal with the side effects, so we'd have to stop. And some of them um, they didn't have the side effects but weren't as efficacious. You know, the issue that people living with epilepsy uh, have to deal with. And so we had, you know, what parents do is you pray every night that your son's okay um, at, at school, and you uh, call in, you try to make sure that they can care of themselves and make sure uh, that they're not out, you know, partying with all their friends, which is a big issue with people that have kids that go away uh, to college. We were fortunate that he didn't have cognitive issues. He did real well in school. He was fortunate that he, he really didn't have social issues. I mean, his friends knew he had uh, these focal seizures, but I don't think he felt ostracized and felt different. I mean, he still, you know, had issues of what he could do at night and, you know, what he could partake in that other kids in college um, could, but generally he was fortunate uh, to live a relatively normal life. Went off into the workplace, was in New York, moved down to Philly, uh, and he had hit his head uh, a few weeks before, but then he began to have grand mal seizures or the tonic-clonic seizures. So his parents, um, he had had one of those in college after forgetting his pills and um, being at a concert, a kind of a confluence of events, but, but they had, he'd only had one and not had any more for the next five years. And then at 25, he had six tonic-clonic seizures in one year. And it was, you know, for him, he said, Dad, first time I feel disabled. And he was engaged. He was engaged. His fiance had a very challenging time with it. Um, and so, you know, we as parents, you know, we were trying to search for answers. And we were fortunate that we found, and I could say that I'm blessed that I, through my uh, position at the chair of the Board of the Epilepsy Foundation, I've been introduced and met many extremely qualified, caring, passionate uh, epilepsy specialists. We found a doctor who thought he might be a candidate for surgery, even though he didn't, he had very clean MRIs, <clears throat> and his external EEG was not specific. It was it was left side, but not incredibly definite. So there was, so many thought he might not be a good seizure, I mean, a, a good surgery candidate. Um, but this doctor uh, in Philadelphia did what's called an intracranial EEG. And for those of you who are thinking about surgery or trying to um, contemplate whether you might be a candidate, 
uh, intracranial EEG is relatively new. I mean, it's within the last 10 years where it's not a mapping inside the brain where you take a piece off. It's He had 12 needle uh, of EEGs go into his brain, so he didn't have to have the skull opened at this point. And though each of the 12 had 12 sensors, so he had 144 sensors uh, in the area where they thought the seizures might be starting. And he was fortunate that he had a lot of very small seizures during his monitoring. And they concluded that they were all in a spot that was relatively defined uh, and that they were not where his motor was, not where his voice was, and not where they thought his cognitive uh, activity was. And so it was very challenging. They thought that they should do surgery and take out uh, that piece. Um, My son was 25 at the time, so it was his decision. As much as parents, we could give our advice. And uh, he's fortunate that he was smart and he's... You know, knows that he worked in the healthcare field, had a lot of faith in his doctor and his surgeon, and 13 months ago he had the surgery uh, and has been 13 months seizure free. And um, they found what was called a dysplasia in the piece of, uh, of brain they took out. Uh, dysplasia is an irregularity that happens uh, during birth and can be a cause of seizures. And so our hope would be um, that that's what it was. Um, you know, still, he's still. Uh, tapering down on medicine, but staying on some medicine because everything seems to be working. Um, and they'll have to decide later whether they take him totally off medicine or not. Uh, but it's been a long journey. We've seen small seizures. We've seen large seizures. We've, we've, uh, so we've, as parents, I think we've been able to see one of the, the benefits of modern technology. You know, without this intracranial EEG, he never, they never would have found the area. Um, and if you look at what's happening as an encouragement, is imaging technology continues to improve. Uh, intracranial EEG it can help people without being less invasive to try to find a spot. And visually, it is, is a new uh, surgery that just can go in with uh, a needle through the, the brain and laser it so you don't have to take a part of the skull out. And so in terms of what's happening from surgery and um, there are incredible advances, and so, you know, being part of the Epilepsy Foundation, when we think about technology and its impact on people living with epilepsy, we're very encouraged. Wow. Hey, I have a few questions here. First, how nervous were you about that surgery? You know, you, you, it, it's a good question, Joyce, and the nervousness, I would say, is in many dimensions. So you um, have the nervousness, obviously, is my child going to die? Um, is there going to be a bleeding of the brain? Um, I think there have been really good advances, but, you know, when they say it's half of 1%, that still seems pretty high. <laughs> um, so you do worry a little bit about that, but I think um, that, you know, the doctors tried to balance that with the risk of, of having SUDEP uh, if you have, you know, refractory epilepsy. And so, you know, the risk of surgery is somewhat balanced by the risk continuing to have seizures, and so we did think about that. Um, we thought a great deal about, you know, I thought about is the risk to his sight if they go in and do this and it doesn't stop or doesn't, re- you know, reduce his seizures. So I thought a lot about the, the risk to his mental, you know, his, his mood, his hopes, his, 
um, you know, his bubbliness. You know, you worry that you know, you, you know, depression is an issue for people that have to, to deal with epilepsy and the hopelessness. And so I worried about that risk if it wasn't successful. And I think the third risk, and maybe it was the one that was greatest to our family, was what if, you know, what if they take out a part that is going to affect who he is? Um, what if, even though they stop seizures, his cognitive goes way down or his emotions are significantly affected or this is a different person? I know these are the, you know, where you have to talk to and we were fortunate that our surgeon has, you know, done 500 plus surgeries in his career and so he felt comfortable and he, uh, there's a degree of comfort and that's one of the issues that, you know, Asheron, who is our, our surgeon, would say is, you know, we we need more people who have that experience uh, to give people comfort, but also to know when they can and when they can't and what they can take out. But all those were real worries and uh, many, many sleepless nights, but we had sleepless nights when he was still having seizures. So I guess we traded one for another. Yeah. Now how about him? How nervous was he? You know, it's, well, you've met Andy before. <laughs> and I would say, that Andy, um, he puts on, I would say, a pretty good face. And so I would, uh, you know, he, um, he talked, you know, it was interesting. When I asked him, I said, Andy, are you sure you want to do uh, this surgery? And uh, he said, Dad, I, um, I really do. He said, I, I, I want to someday have my wife let me hold my baby. And, um, and she might not let me if she's worried about me having a seizure. You know, these things that somebody who doesn't have epilepsy never thinks about, but Joyce, as you would know, um, there are things that you have to deal with um, that, that people are just oblivious to. Um, and so he said, I, you know, I would love to be able to drive again someday. And I, I don't think with what's currently going on that that, that would be possible. Um, he said, you know, I would, I, I would love to be able to be physically active. I'm pretty active, but uh, my activity causes seizures when I'm very physical. Uh, they cause focal seizures, and so I don't do as much. You know, he loved to ski, but he couldn't ski because the activity of skiing in high altitude would cause him. And so I think when he thought of the risks, he, um, he, was, he was nervous. He... Um, uh, he, he he did. I, I think he had great conversations with his doctor and surgeon every time, and, and uh, mm-hmm. he was thankful. And so far, so good. It's it's a thirteen months is really good. I I never know when you breathe a sigh of relief, but I would say we're happy so far. I would say that's a miracle. And I would say, you know, anyone listening right now, you see what a great story this is. And as Bob said, I have met Andy, such a wonderful young man. Um, and really, you know, if you, he's just a dynamic young man. And if you would meet him right now, of course, you wouldn't have known before. Uh, but when you live without worrying about it, you know, as Tony Quello always says, every day when I get up, I'm wondering. Am I going to have a seizure? And for a while, every time I would speak somewhere publicly, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, what if I have a seizure, you know, during when I was speaking? I mean, just as Bob said, these are things you would not think of that people with epilepsy do think about. Um, And I, I just think that just 
changes so much and gives you this full life. Um, and I'm so happy for you and for Andy. Um, and, and again, if you're listening to the show, remember, epileptologist, you know, see what happened to Andy could happen to you. So, Bob, hey, you George, know, here can you... I, can I yes, say one thing, yes. George, real quick? Because yeah. one of the things, you know, post-surgery, um, and Andy's doing great, but he, he said really for the next few months, he said, you know, I had all this freedom that I never had. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, Dad, I used to wake up every day wondering what should I eat? Where can I go? What should I do to avoid a seizure? You know, how can I reduce stress? And then if I had some, was having, because he had small breakthroughs, you know, probably one a day, but if he went through a period where he was having more, he would spend so much time analyzing, what did I do to cause this to happen? And how do I not do this? And, and so the amount of time that epilepsy was his world, even though we didn't see it, was much greater than we thought. And it gave me a true understanding of, or a better understanding, because I'll never get a true understanding, but a better understanding of how difficult it is to have epilepsy. Yeah. Uh, and again, just as you said, uh, people don't understand. But actually, we have a caller on the line right now. Uh, Phil, are you on the line? Hi, Joyce. How are Hello, you? Hello, Phil Gatone. How are you? This is I'm a voice great. I would know anywhere. <laughs> and for all of our listeners, uh, Phil is the CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation. And I know if you heard Bob, you can relate, Phil, with your own son. Right. And Joyce, when I heard you were having Bob as your guest, I, I really wanted to call in just to say thank you to Bob and, and to you both, uh, two leaders in this movement. And Bob, I just wanted to say, as fathers, you know, we don't have epilepsy, like you were saying earlier, uh, like Joyce and one of our mutual heroes, Tony Coelho, um, you know, we, we are looking at it from a different perspective. But what you have given your time, your resources, um, as, as the chair of our board of directors, and Joyce is a former chair, you know what responsibilities come with that. And on behalf of the 3.4 million people in the United States who have epilepsy and their families and the more than 50 million people around the world who have epilepsy, I just want to say thank you because your leadership is saving lives. It's changing lives. And, Joyce, I want to tell you that Bob always says, and his wife, his, his wonderful wife, Terry, Bob and Terry always say that they're privileged to give and to help others. And they do that really very broadly, um, especially in epilepsy, but in many areas of their lives. And Bob always says he's privileged to help others. And I just wanted to say, Bob, that we're, we're really privileged to, to have, uh, have your leadership and to work alongside you in this mission. We're really lucky to have you. That's very kind of you to say it. Thanks. Yeah, Thank and you, Phil, and- you also know, as I said, <laughs> you also know having a son uh, with epilepsy. And I have to tell you, I always say to people, I know as parents, you understand what epilepsy is, but you really can't understand it unless you've had a seizure. Mm-hmm. So I can't understand, you know, how Andy felt. Um, and Phil, I appreciate all you are doing. Uh, also, and I thank you for calling in. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Bob. Well, just as Phil said there, Bob, 
when you are the chair of the National Epilepsy Foundation, just think, you're the boss of the world of people with epilepsy. I mean, there you are out there. You're the, you're the head. You're the top man. Um, and how does that feel, Bob? Uh, other <laughs> than at times. Like here, I can make, say because I was the chair. Other than at but times. You make me laugh, but I would say that in general, I, I would say that I um, am blessed to have a great board. So, you know, there'll be 18 people on the board currently that are all incredibly committed, all have their own stories of having epilepsy, of having children with epilepsy. Some have lost children to epilepsy. Um, some are doctors who have given passionately to epilepsy. So I am literally just one <laughs> humble uh, person on this amazing team. Um, I, I had, I'd be fortunate that I have been asked and have the time to uh, be the chair and I think when I, you know, what does it mean to me? I think it, it means what our mission says, is that I am tasked to help our organization and the affiliates who help make up our organization lead the fight to overcome the challenges of living with epilepsy and to accelerate therapies to stop seizures, find cures, and save lives. And our job, um, and I mean all of us, who are involved in the organization and the affiliates are tasked to do that. And uh, it is the number one question we ask when all everything in what we do is, is this helping people living with epilepsy? And will this stop people from uh, dealing with epilepsy in the future? And what can we do to have more impact, more impact in our communities, more impact in more impactful research, more impact of awareness, how can we have less people um, feeling the stigma of epilepsy? Uh, you know, so that's, you know, my job, and that's everybody's job. And I think just as chair, I would say that I, you know, just need to spend more time and work with the different organizations and, and try to help us realize that we're a team and that we're a team trying to do some amazing things. And we have, you know, we have a network in the, uh, in the U.S., uh, that really is, is unrivaled, and it's uh, so many caring, compassionate uh, executives and volunteers, and our job is to try to make us work like one and, and do wonderful things, and uh, so I feel honored. Yes, it, and, uh, and Bob, we are very honored to have you, uh, and there's no question that I can say that if you knew Bob as I do, he is the real deal. I mean, he's not on here. He's not like doing this and boy, you know, taking it as if some people do it, not for profits. They're proud of it, but they're not living. And I can say that Bob does live it. So we're, we're lucky to have you, Bob, with your commitment. Um, and, you know, as you and I just alluded to, actually, uh, the population at large First of all, they don't realize it's over 3 million people living with epilepsy. A lot of people don't understand epilepsy. I mean, in comparison to other uh, disabilities, it's amazing how they'll understand Parkinson's or MS, you know, and be so familiar with it, but not with epilepsy. And so why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that's one of the first, you know, questions when my wife and I got involved. Um, with, with the Epilepsy Foundation, and 
when we were looking at uh, what it consisted of and who it impacted and uh, is, is the, we were shocked at how many people had epilepsy. I mean, to say 3.4 million people had epilepsy in our country. And, uh, and if you think globally, it's, you know, many, many multiples of that. And, uh, and why don't you, you know, until I became the head or until I became on the board, I had really met one person who had had epilepsy. And I was, you know, I was 50 years old. And, uh, and that, since I've been on the board, I hear stories all the time. And, and what that tells me is that, that most people don't talk about it. And, and so the question, I think part of the reason is that, you know, 60% of people or somewhere around 60 to 65% of people, medicine and uh, helps mainly control their epilepsy. Um, and, you know, we can talk about stigma now or later, but I think for those people who medicine controls, um, they would prefer not to have everybody know they have epilepsy. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it, it's different, I think, than, than some other conditions, but they would rather not be treated differently by friends, by employees, by teachers, uh, some people by church. Um, and so they keep very quiet about it, and uh, they take their medicine, and they live mainly normal lives except for the side effects they deal with, which um, I'm sure they would say is not incredibly normal, but they would prefer to, to be quiet. Um, you know, of the other maybe 35 to 40 percent, I would say that there is, you know, some percentage of that that has severe seizures and spend, have big cognitive impact, um, stay at, you know, or at home often. And, and most of us don't see them all the time. And uh, the people that we see with seizures are probably that 30 or 20 to 30 percent of people who have refractory seizures, who have seizures occasionally or like Andy, have seizures that are focal seizures. Um, and so it's, it's a smaller part than the 3.4 million of people that the world sees having seizures. Uh, and then the second is I think that people mostly view people as having seizures, not living with epilepsy. And I think we've talked a little bit about that. Uh, but if you see a person having a grand mal seizure, I think that you think that on occasion they have that, and the rest of their time is pretty darn normal. And as Joyce said, and as I learned from my son, you could have only one seizure a year and maybe one every three years. But every day is not normal because every day you don't know. And so this world of uncertainty that I think is epilepsy, and whether it is, it's uncertain as a person living with it, person as a parent, and even I think when I spend time talking with the best doctors and specialists in epilepsy, there's a great degree of uncertainty there because it's a very difficult, uncertain disease or condition. And so I think that the world doesn't see that, and you have to experience it to really understand what epilepsy is. I think for most people, it is you know, 20% of those 3.4 million people have seizures, and seizures come and go, and they're occasional events. And, and that's not the world of epilepsy. That's right, and there is stigma, no doubt about it. And for my friends listening uh, in other parts of the world, I just want to say, when I came back from Indonesia and South Korea, I mean, I feel for you, because the stigma is just 100 times beyond here and there's stigma here 
um, and and I, I'm going to talk about this at the board meeting, but I received a letter from uh, a gentleman in South Korea that heard about me being there. Actually, he's a pastor, um, but he has lived with epilepsy, and he has spent his time trying to help people with epilepsy. And what what he talked about is how people believe that if you have epilepsy, you know, you're demon-possessed or there's something... Uh, you have a mental health issue, and how no one, no one wants to talk about this. Well, guess what? You go to a company, and if I say, okay, if you have a disability, raise your hand, I guarantee you, um, and I don't say it that way, but actually what I do say is when companies say to me, oh, Joyce, we've never hired people with disabilities before, I say, oh, yes, you have. Yeah, they're working here right now. Uh, They have epilepsy or depression or some other disability, but they're not going to tell you because they feel you will look differently upon them Um, and it's sad that you have to live with keeping this quiet for that reason but hopefully with what the National Epilepsy Foundation is doing and affiliates uh, or chapters across the United States will keep trying to break down that barrier and I know you know from Tony Quello that so many people live with this stigma and don't want to tell anyone and I guess you probably think it's the same thing, Bob, as what that gentleman said in South Korea. Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult. Well, Tony Quello is the best example of what he went through, you know, oh, before. Oh, yeah, what Tony said, yeah. You know, before. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's hard to believe that that's still, you know, here in the U.S., which um, is, uh, you know, when you hear... When you hear stories of like that and, and you've only been exposed to epilepsy for only part of your life, and then I tell those stories to people who are not exposed to epilepsy, they're stunned. Really, that's still how things are treated, and it just uh, it is a huge awareness. And, and part of, you know, as the Epilepsy Foundation, we're, um, we are uh, merging with our LA affiliate who has a, has a, a brand of End Epilepsy, which we think is a great cause and a great awareness campaign uh, that we think can, can help. Uh, we do think that, you know, end epilepsy is ending stigma. It's, it's ending being treated, you know, being treated differently. Uh, it's, it's ending side effects of medicine. It's hopefully ending seizures. Um, you know, so we, we see it as hopefully a message and an awareness uh, that people can grab onto, and you know, the 20 years from now, people will be proud to say, "Yeah, I'm 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 living with epilepsy, you know, and I'm I'm doing okay, and I've got a community, and I can contribute, and I'm worthy." And uh, so we hope uh, that 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 is something to look forward to in the future. It is, and I think we have another caller on the line. Jenny, are you on the line? I, I am on the line, and uh, I hope you'll be able to, to hear me uh, with my laryngitis. Oh, but, Jenny, uh, you must be trying to compete with me, because that's yeah. how I sounded yesterday. Um, so, oh. yes, we can hear you. Um, and Jenny Emerson, uh, Bob, 
is a national advocate for people living with epilepsy. Uh, She's in Connecticut, and we became friends years ago. And Jenny, uh, Bob, as you heard, is our new chair of the uh, Epilepsy Foundation. Well, not new as he just started, uh, but new in this role over the past couple. uh, How long now, Bob? Has it been? It's been about two years. Two years. Okay. So, uh, Jenny, do you want to maybe just tell Bob a little bit about yourself? Well, I I started in the... Uh, epilepsy world when my son was diagnosed um, a long time ago and uh, I really appreciate the topic that you just touched on with stigma because we faced it with him with bullying and trying to educate those around and uh, it didn't go well some people learned a lot of people did not but uh, my son when he was 10 challenged me to um, do something about it because I'd always taught my children that for good or for bad, things happen for a reason and can be used for good. And that's what started me as an advocate and uh, for the rest of his life and even beyond because we lost him six years ago. Um, He had a seizure that morning and, and took his life on his fourth attempt. So, as you know, as a physician, um, it's very co-occurring with mood disorders and epilepsy. And um, but I've I also have seizures. I was diagnosed late in life, um, but probably had been having seizures for a long time. And I found with my diagnosis that I also faced that stigma in the workplace and uh, in my own family when uh, my husband at the time um, took a while to even want to touch me, which I found alarming since we had this son with seizures, but that seemed to be a different perspective for him. And it just astounds me in this day and age that we are still so much in the dark ages. And Bob, Bob, for your uh, knowledge... Sam, who she's talking about, um, I I knew and loved. And the day that that Jenny, you know, called, I cannot find him, and then later found out that he he had taken his life, had been bullied, and had deal dealt with heavy stigma, um, you know, as he grew up. I, I just wanted to mention to you that he actually knew Tony. And am I, if I'm right, Jenny, he was on the cover of Epilepsy USA. Is that right? That's right. That's right. When he was uh, just turning 11, um, he was on the cover with Tony. And uh, I had written a few articles um, referencing that. And uh, after we lost him and I met with providers, one of his former providers was a very renowned, which I won't name, but a very renowned epileptologist that had treated Sam, and uh, I used that picture to uh, kind of teach that epileptologist that we are the ones that need to change the thinking of the world. The world isn't going to change their thinking if we don't help to educate the world, and the epileptologist agreed with that. And uh, so Sam's still doing a work, um, 
with what he started with his advocacy. And um, we have a lot to do. I mean, we've come a, a long way as far as breaking that stigma. Um, we still have a long way to go. Um, we got a long I'm way seeing, to go. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm seeing somebody now, and this weekend he he said, I, "I have an important question," and he asked me about, you know, what do I do if if we're driving, and you were to have start having a seizure, and he didn't ask it in a rude way. He just said, "You know, inquiring minds." And it, I, it stunned me just because it was in such a kind manner <laughs> and such a great yeah. question. And but again, Jenny, as, as Bob was saying, like with his son, these are the things other people aren't thinking about that people with epilepsy are thinking about. And Jenny, before you sign off, mm-hmm. um, I want to say about you. Few people would go through such a tragedy of losing their son in this fashion and pay it forward the way you have. So, you know, I just commend you for all of that. And, Bob, I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, I definitely do. I, I, was, um, I was talking with a group of, of, of our board members and thinking about, I, I get humbled and listening to your story humbles me. Of watching what people go through and still do amazing things, and uh, and so to me that that's sort of the collateral beauty I think of of uh, of, of epilepsy is uh, instead of collateral damage, I think some people take take this horror and they do beautiful things. So anyway, yeah. I we appreciate we appreciate what you do. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. Jenny, and I look forward to seeing you again soon, and have a great day. You as well. It's always good talking with you, Joyce. You too. Um, And uh, see what I mean, Bob. People don't realize what other people go through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This this was not SUDEP. This was was a result of bullying and stigma. Um, You know, just another thing that people have to deal with. I think we have a caller on the line Unless I lost the caller on the line. Peggy, are you on? Okay, well, Peggy was on the line. Um, but oh, I'm sure. Are you not hearing me, Joyce? I hear you now. Oh, okay, good. No, you, were, you were being a ventriloquist, but I hear you now. <laughs> well, uh, excuse I. Excuse me, and Peggy Beam is the CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, headquartered in Pittsburgh, home of the Stanley Cup, Pittsburgh Penguins. I just had to mention that. <laughs> well, thanks, Joyce. I, I just um, am, you know, so, so moved by Jenny's comments, as I always am, and, and um, want to thank her for calling and sharing her story always. So thank you, Jenny, and I just wanted to call in and say thank you, Bob, to you and your wife for everything that you do for the Epilepsy Foundation, and um, just listening to the conversation was striking. I just finished a conversation with a mother of a youngster who's just starting this journey, and, you know, I think one of the things we don't talk enough about is the fact that epilepsy is so very difficult to treat sometimes, and you know, they were just starting this journey and not finding a medication that's working, and he's only nine years old. And I think a lot of people in the general public just don't 
get that. You know, they just think, well, if you, you know, you have a seizure, you go to the doctor, they give you medicine, and it will control your, your seizures, not realizing that epilepsy is such a spectrum disorder and affects so many people in, in such devastating ways and, and such a daily way that I think what we do, the work that we do, is so very important. Um, not not just in terms of educating people and awareness, but also um, what we do, being able to answer phones here in local offices and be a support to folks and, and um, you know, provide people with an immediate support when they're going through diagnosis and trying to find a treatment and, and having some help with employers and all of those kinds of things. So I just wanted to call in and say thank you, Bob, and, um, you know, wish you continued success and, and um, let you know that you're we're welcome. working yeah, hard in Peggy. Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, and Peggy, I think that you bring up, I mean, again, we, you know, what's being done locally is incredibly important, and that's usually, you know, most of the people that we as a national organization, uh, get involved with are people that first get involved with, with local affiliates because, you know, when something happens, um, it happens locally. Your child has a seizure and he has it in a place and you live in a place and you work in a place and you have schools in a place. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you said, well, you know, that is, that is amazing work. And one of the things that we would hope uh, over time is with all the communities that we serve is that child who goes in and is trying to figure out what medicine um, he should take that we'll be able to take the data of all the different people uh, who have his type of epilepsy, maybe his type of genetics over time, um, his profile, and we'll be able to say for this child it's best that he's on Keppra or he should be on Lamictal or he should be on a particular drug or he or she uh, because of some of the data that we've been able to get over a broad network. And so, um, you know, the hope that would, that would be my hope is that we can get to that place where, where we can use our broad scope to make specific action. Right. Right. Well, that's everybody's hope, right? Get a yeah. if if we until we have a cure, no seizures, no side effects. That's what we yeah. what we're always working towards. So, well, thank you very much, and Joyce. I always like to say thank you to you because you are um, not just involved with the national board, but with our local board, and we appreciate everything that you do so much as well. So, um, thank you both very much, and um, thank you, Bob, for sharing the story of your family's journey as well. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you, Peggy, for everything you're doing at our, let me emphasize, great affiliate in Pittsburgh. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thank Joyce. you. Uh-huh. Thank you Bye-bye. so much. Um, Bob, wow, doesn't everything go fast? I bet you never <laughs> thought, Bob, this would go so fast, this show. Um, but I, So I want to move down uh, to a couple things. I don't know if anyone has asked you this ever. But I'm going to be the person that asks you, um, Bob, who would you recognize as your role model in your, in your life, living or historic, whatever it is? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I will hopefully answer the question, but uh, probably you'll say I probably dodge it somewhat, which is I, I don't think 
that you find a person. You know, I think you find characteristics of people. Um, I think that, you know, I would say role models of compassion and love, I would say would be my mother. Role models of uh, compass and direction, I would say would be coaches, my wife, uh, teachers I've had. Uh, role models of generosity, compassion, and fighting spirit would be all these people, Joyce, you, Tony, uh, the people that I, I go to these epilepsy board meetings and I quickly just feel so small relative to the courage of all the people that walk into that room and tell their stories. So I, I guess, you know, my son Andy, uh, you know, his, his courage, I, I look up to him. Uh, for what for what he does, so it's it's broad. I guess I look for different people for different models. Well, isn't that the truth? Um, and Bob, before the show ends today, I just want to say I hope everyone will go to the local uh, website, the national website. In other words, the the affiliate in your city or national, wherever it is, and remember that we all need you very much. Um, and I hope you'll remember that. And, Bob, I wanted to see what message you would like to leave with our listeners. I, I would just say live in hope because we are working really hard for you, for all of you out there who are touched by epilepsy. Live in hope. <clears throat> and I will say, under Bob, I believe we really are moving forward and making great changes. And once again, Bob, thank you so much uh, for all you are doing and for helping people like Andy, but also <clears throat> people like me, uh, people, uh, young children, people that are dealing with stigma and bullying. Uh, we all need you, and thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, we end every show with a quote. So, our quote today uh, is fitting in some ways um, when we're talking about some of the issues that were brought up today in our conversation. And that is, we may encounter many defeats, but we must not be defeated. It may even be necessary to encounter the defeat so that we can know who we are, said Mayo Angela, Maya Angelou, Hera of mine. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Join me next week when we talk to leaders from World Vision. Have a great day. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.